Back for another episode of End to End. Myself and Joe are here with you for episode 13 of season 3. Um, we got some news to talk about, finally. The trade deadline is, what, two days away now? And there was actually some significant trades and acquisitions made over the last week or so. So we'll dive, I guess, right into the first one because it was the biggest one of the week. And it was Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac headed to the New York Islanders. New Jersey gets AJ Greer, drops a first-round pick in 2021, and a conditional fourth in 2022. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on this trade? And it's the probably the, one of the biggest guys on the trade bait like board to go off. So, what are your thoughts on the Islanders getting them? I think New York got a good deal here. They got like the most surprising part was that they got Zajac as well, who's also going to be a UFA with Palmieri. Obviously, Palmieri was the big piece going to the Islanders, but. Like, I was surprised it was, like, both. So, that's, like, good depth for the Islanders, especially, like, we've been saying Andres Lee's out for the year. So, the Islanders finally made their splash in getting Palmieri and Zajac, and they actually played on the same line uh, last game in a in a win. I think, no, never mind. They lost versus the Rangers. I think this is a good um, acquisition. Um, New Jersey, the, they only really got a first-round pick in this year's draft, which is supposed to be, like, a crapshoot draft anyways. And the conditional fourth is if they make the Stanley Cup Finals, or else, and then it becomes a third in 2022. And then I have no idea who these prospects are. Maybe Greer I've heard of before. Definitely not Jobst, who I've never <laughs> heard of. So, like, for me, they really just got Palmieri Zajac for a first and the draft okay... Pick. Yeah, and a draft pick, and then an okay prospect, and then one guy I've never heard of. So I think the Islanders win this trade right now because they are in kind of an all-in-to-win all kind of mode. They did make the conference finals last year. They have a perfect like playoff style of hockey. They're good 5-on-5, five five, good at not letting the other opposition score goals. And they even though sometimes they have challenges scoring goals, them stopping guys from scoring is a big strength of theirs. So I think this... And plus, Palmieri and Zajac are both pretty good two-way players. And it fits the Islanders' system more than maybe a Taylor Hall. So, I think this is a good trade for the Islanders. Yeah, and they, these two have to get their like game under uh, the Islanders first before they start doing damage. Because I think in the playoffs, once these two guys get going, they've had experience in the playoffs and going deep. So, both these guys are on their experience. I mean, Islanders made a trade with uh, New Jersey last year getting Andy Green. He scored his first goal in a year, basically, yesterday. So... That New Jersey kind of mix into the Islanders group is sort of peeking in from Lou and uh, Palmieri, Zajac, and Green. So I think it's a good trade for the Islanders. They're Like you said, they're basically all in basically to win the Cup. They have a good team. They always make it far, which is very surprising to everyone watching them. But Cal Palmieri and Zajac will add to that Cup run. Um, yeah, so with that trade, we go into another trade. A bit of a smaller trade, but the Florida Panthers and Chicago Blackhawks made two trades in this past week. So... Yeah, we could probably mention both. I guess it's a big whole one big trade, but Brett Connolly, Henrik Borgstrom, Riley Stillman, and a seventh, and Vinny Henestroza go to Chicago in exchange for Walmart, uh, Carlson, and I don't know who the the Henestroza one is for. It's from some small player, but I forgot. But what are your thoughts on this deal for uh, both sides? So I don't really know why Chicago is buying right now. They're currently sitting outside of the playoff spot. I, they are fighting for that fourth and final spot, but Nashville is just on a heater right now. Like They've been one of the best teams in the league, surprisingly, for the past like month or so. So right now they're sitting in that fourth spot. Chicago is buying to, I guess, try to make a playoff push. I mean, they don't give up that much. Um, 
to the Panthers and to, I believe, Hinesh was from Arizona, right? No, he was from the Panthers. Oh, he was from the Panthers too. Okay, so they didn't give up that much. I'm surprised on more that Florida gave up Borgstrom because he's mm-hmm. like one of their top five like prospects slash young good players. So I kind of surprised they gave up him to Chicago, but maybe it wasn't working out for Florida. Maybe there's some other issues going on. But from Florida's perspective, it opens up a lot more cal- uh, salary cap space, especially getting rid of Connolly's contract. Mm-hmm. And there have been like rumblings and reports that they could be after David Savard from Columbus or possibly Taylor Hall. Um, I think Savard is a more logical choice because Ekblad's out for the year. Basically, he's out 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So them going after Savard to solidify the decor going into the playoffs would be a smart pickup. Um, but of course, this hasn't happened yet, but it looks like we'll get to Columbus shortly because uh, they made some moves as well and some other news regarding them, their players. Yeah, I don't even know what this trade is necessarily buying for Chicago. Obviously, getting Connolly and Hinnestroza is making your team better at the moment, but... I think they honestly made that Connolly deal for Borgstrom itself, just like getting a contract, not a great contract, and then adding a young player like Borgstrom mm-hmm. who might fit in their depth chart. I see him as a, a ceiling second line center. So if that if he can pan out to be that, sure, go ahead and acquire him and make him in your lineup and do good. But for Florida, this is their seconds to Lucas Walmark again. So I don't know what yep. they're kind of doing with him. But uh, like I think... Uh, Blackhawks kind of win this one in a way because they get the more rostered players that are better and the younger player that is better. So, yeah, I mean, Florida's not done at all yet, I think, in the trading market. So maybe a bigger one's coming, like you said, Hall and Savard, and that makes way more sense to, than getting just Walmart and uh, Carlson. But yeah, we'll see. Florida and Chicago made a lot of deals recently, man. Like they've been, even like last 10 years, they made a lot of deals together. So that, uh, that relationship's still going strong, and yeah, I think Chicago kind of won this one, but we'll see in the distant future. Um, going to the Maple Leafs now, they made a small trade last night. They acquired Riley Nash from Columbus in exchange for a seventh-round pick. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? This is not really a big one, but the Leafs get some depth here. Yeah, that's all it is, depth, because they gave up a conditional seven, so they basically mm-hmm. gave them nothing for him. It's more that Columbus didn't... Obviously, he's fading out of the playoff picture. Riley Nash could be a good fourth-line center, some depth for the playoffs. He's supposed to be back for the playoffs because I think he just got hurt. But I don't know if he was placed on IR before they traded for him. So that's why like the trade happened because usually you can't really trade guys that are on long-term unless you're swapping guys. So, I mean, it's just a depth move. That's all it is. A body to be back, hopefully, for the playoffs and then give them some depth some veteran leadership and he's good on face-offs he's good defensively so that's someone you'd like to have in your lineup in the playoffs so i mean they got him for nothing so it is a solid deal i guess but he's not gonna like provide any like sort of offense really yeah no i'm not even like excited about riley nash coming to a team but the only part i'm excited about is his team has eliminated uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs in three straight series. He was played on Boston for two years <laughs> and Columbus last year. So you can't do that this year. <laughs> so, But with Riley Nash, yeah, it's, he's on the IR, long-term IR. The Leafs put him there. So uh, for the playoffs, he can come instantly out. And I think he'll be healthy once the playoffs roll around. But I, I don't think he's getting into every game in the playoffs, to be fair. like I think he's maybe two games, if you're lucky, unless an injury happens. But... A solid depth piece that could go in the fourth line and like win face-offs, kill penalties. So not that exciting, but a small move for the Leafs there. Don't think they're done as well. They have some bigger moves to make uh, once the trade deadline comes around. 
Hopefully they wait till Monday because it's going to be a very boring Monday if so. Um, since we're on the topic of Columbus, uh, Zach Rowenski is out for the season. That is a big loss for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It kind of sums up the Columbus season where they're basically one of their star players is out for the year and now they kind of know what the direction is going and it's not towards the playoffs. Am I right? Yeah, this team has been an absolute disaster all year, especially considering where they were at the bubble when they upset the Leafs in the play-in series. And then obviously they lost to Tampa in, I think, five games, but they'd had that five OT thriller in game one, gave them everything they had. And just this year has been so bad. Trading Dubois for line has not worked whatsoever. We've already discussed that at length. Um just these injuries. Wierenski was out for some time as well. Now he's officially done for this season, so he's probably playing hurt the whole time. Seth Jones has not been himself. Uh, the acquisition of Max Domi for Anderson has not worked out. So basically every move Columbus has made has not worked out. And then Torts has been like just benching guys all the time, benching skilled guys. He's out of a contract at the end of the year, so he's probably going to walk or they'll relieve him of his duties, but... This is just a huge step backward for Columbus after they kind of transitioned away. They had a decent year last year. They made the play-ins, whatever, but it's just been all downhill, and I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, I think you really got to look yourself in the mirror if you're the organization and kind of say, where are we at, evaluate ourselves in the summer. But I think the clear evaluation of this team is not a good one, and it's kind of back to... Back to the drawing board and retooling. I don't think it's a rebuild necessarily, but because they have some pieces there, obviously Wronski, one of them, but just a little retool in Columbus. I don't think they are an attractive market for free agents, clearly, because they haven't really signed one in years. They've traded all for all their talent, and that one year they made the playoffs. They obviously made some a bit of damage sweeping Tampa, but that was it, man. And then now with the where they're at is really tough to see, so... Columbus needs to retool and kind of uh, reset on that, uh, the player market and stuff like that. So um, that's it with Columbus. Another trade that happened, very, very, very small trade. Uh, Nemeth goes to the Colorado Avalanche from a fourth in, from Detroit. Detroit is going to be busy in this trade deadline. And uh, yeah, they're just getting a depth defenseman, the Colorado Avalanche. I, he makes a lot of money, man. Like I think he makes like $3.5 million. So I don't know why Detroit paid him, but sure. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I saw that last night. It's like, yeah, Detroit's retaining half and it was like $3 million. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I've never even heard of him. And he's making $3 million. Like, what? So that's just a disaster like of a contract. So, I mean, whatever. They got rid of him for a fourth. Colorado just adding some depth. To mm-hmm. the before the playoffs because last year they literally lost because so many guys were out so they're just acquiring depth they really need to acquire a backup goalie i think that's gonna happen again there were two days away from the trade deadline yeah i think they're gonna address that backup goaltending issue because outside of rubauer if he doesn't play well or if he doesn't start then they're gonna lose like <laughs> that's the problem and same thing could be said about tampa bay uh, they need to get a backup as well. There's some veterans out there for sure that could be acquired. So we'll see what those teams do because they. I, if I were them, I would kind of want to rest those goalies down the stretch. Yeah. Or just even just if they get hurt, God forbid, for those mm-hmm. guys, they have someone who could at least play, not some random or some guy who's literally like incapable of playing in the NHL. But right. I mean, I guess it's a solid trade for Colorado. Don't really know much about Nemeth. Yeah, he's very defensive. He's big. So, I mean, they just lost Byram to COVID. So, I guess maybe that's why they kind of pulled the trigger on Nemeth. I don't know. I think Nemeth actually paid for the Columbus Blue... Or Columbus. 
uh, Colorado Avalanche years ago. I could be wrong, but um, for them, obviously, like you said, adding depth pieces doesn't hurt because we saw what happened last year. A lot of players went down, especially their goalie. And uh, yeah, Johansson got a shutout yesterday, so maybe he's the guy. <laughs> maybe he's the <laughs> backup so. goalie. Yeah, I don't know, but they also are the duck, so that's not really saying much there. But no. they need to maybe like Bernier is swinging for the fences this year in terms of trade deadline pieces as he's the more attractive goalie out there, but. There's some other guys that they can get for cheap, so maybe they go after one, but we'll see once the trade deadline ends on Monday. Um, speaking of, what is it, Colorado? No, it's actually injured players, I guess we can talk about. Um, and the Detroit Red Wings, Bobby Ryan will be out for the rest of the season. This is just absolutely terrible. I mean, this guy cannot catch a break whatsoever. I mean, what was it last time? A concussion or something? Yeah, he's had, like, concussion issues, fingers slash hand issues. Um you know, he just had so many issues. He was having a, a pretty solid year on a terrible team. He was supposed to be an attractive trade chip. And, I mean, he literally got hurt right before the deadline. So, that's kind of on the GM. That's on Yeiserman and the coaching staff. Because leading up to the deadline, like right now what Buffalo, I think, is doing with Hall. They're, like, just not playing him just in case he gets hurt. Right. Like, Hall could have probably got them. I mean, sorry. Ryan could have probably got them. Maybe a third or fourth round pick, but at least it's better than nothing because right now he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. My guess is that Detroit will probably bring him back on a similar type of deal because he did fit in well. I think he had 10 goals or right around yeah, there. Yeah, something around that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, veteran in the le- in the locker room on a young team. So if I'm Detroit, I'd definitely bring him back if he's interested. But that's just, just bad asset management from <laughs> Detroit's standpoint. Yeah, Bobby Ryan had seven goals, seven assists in 33 games. So it's not terrible because obviously this guy is battling a lot of stuff. And last year, I think he won the Bill Masterton. Am I correct on that one? I think so. Yes, he would. Yes. Yeah, so this is a guy like you want, I guess, as a third line player, fourth line player on a great team. But since he's on the Red Wings, he's got that veteran presence and bringing that with him. But it sucks to see him get, get another injury. We just don't want this to happen to this guy. Second overall pick, I mean. You can say what you want about that if he was supposed to be drafted uh, second overall, but Bobby Ryan's a guy you're kind of rooting for in this league, and he's injured again, so all the best to Bobby Ryan there. Um, we can talk about the Canucks when we talk about what they said today, so we'll we'll leave out that signing right now. But another one that was pretty surprising yesterday that happened, and it was a buyout, is Nikita Gusev of the New Jersey Devils has bought is being bought out, and it was placed on waivers today, I believe. And sorry, placed on waivers yesterday, and now he becomes a free agent. So anyone who wants to sign him can sign him. He is having a terrible season for the New Jersey Devils. He has not looked good and not looked like the Nikita Gusa from Russia or the New Jersey Devils last season. Uh, are you, were you surprised about this or just like, oh, he's still actually playing? Uh, that, yeah, more like he was actually still playing. I forgot he was still <laughs> with New Jersey. I'll be fully honest. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he was making four and a half million either, yeah. so my god, that's terrible. So yeah, so his contract gets terminated. He'll probably sign with a contender for like league minimum or like one million or something for the rest of the year. I'm not sure who will pick him up. Maybe honestly, the Leafs could probably get him if they want him. If they were looking for like a top six kind of winger that they've been kind of rumored to be after, top six slash top nine like left winger, because I think Gusev can play both sides, even mm-hmm. though he's a right shot. So maybe they could scoop him up because he's he's like a skilled he's obviously a skilled player he's not like a grindy type of player yeah so the Leafs could honestly pick him up or like 
I think if a team's picking him up, you have to play a minimum on the third line because if he's on, if you're gonna just bury him on the fourth line, yeah. like he's useless, mm-hmm. or at least give him some power play time if you're gonna put him there. But I mean, a, a contender could pick him up again. He's been terrible this year, so I don't know how much stock like teams really have in him. But right. it could be a sneaky pickup if he picks up his game. Yeah, he had an unbelievable year in the, for the Devils last year. His first full year in the NHL. Well, not really full year because COVID, but I guess first uh, chunk of games in the NHL. And he was pretty good last year. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, minimum deal, $1 million deal for a contender. I, I could see a total reunion with Tampa Bay. I believe they drafted him late rounds. Uh, and I could see a reunion there maybe for cheap. I mean, Tampa just does anything they want. So, I mean, I will not be surprised if that even happens. So, uh, Nikita Gusev, I think he will get picked up and he definitely should get picked up. So, we'll see what happens there. It's I think it has to happen before the trade deadline. I believe I saw something there, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think a team really signs him right before the playoffs. So, I think it's happening soon. But, yeah, he's got to bounce back. Hopefully, someone gives him a shot and uh, we'll see. And... I think our next piece of news is the Montreal Canadiens. So there's been a lot of news recently for the Montreal Canadiens to talk about. You can get started with the first one we have down here. Yeah, so we talked about a few episodes ago that Eric Stahl was acquired from the Buffalo Sabres for a third and a fifth. So he made his debut last Monday, and he what a debut it was, scoring the overtime winner against the comeback against Edmonton at home at the Bell Centre. I, I know if there was fans there, the building would have erupted. So he scores in overtime in his debut. He's been a bit quiet since, but I mean, he's just adjusting. I'm like, I'm not expecting too much out of Eric Stahl at this stage in his career. Um, but yeah, that was a good kind of story. But then the cost of that game was on was way worse. For, so Price got banged up in that game, but finished it out that he won the game. But he's out now, I think, until probably next week that they were saying. So it's not a serious issue, but the bigger problem is Gallagher, who's out six weeks, so basically the rest of the season, uh, with a fractured thumb on a shot from Alex Romanov uh, from the point. So this guy in his, in his hand injuries, we've been talking about it in our group chats, Thomas, how many injuries he's had with his hand. So this time it's just his thumb, but obviously, I th- honestly thought it was going to be about four weeks, but it's six weeks, so he should be back ready for game one of the playoffs because he did get hurt last Monday. So it's already been almost a week since the injury. Um, he should be back for the playoffs. Um, but that's that big blow for that team because he's the mm-hmm. heart and soul of the team. He drags everyone into the game if they're flat, like which they yeah. have been kind of recently. Um, but... Yeah, it just sucks right now. I mean, they have a depth at right wing, but it's just more the, the how he plays and the leadership that he brings that's going to be missed. Yeah, honestly, his new nickname for me is Cyborg because this guy has a new jaw, new hand. I don't even know how he grips his stick, to be honest. But, like, dude, the hand injuries, the, all these injuries that happened to Brent Gallagher, it sucks because he's such a good player. He makes such a big impact. And for sure, I thought he was the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, he went with Weber, but... I think when Weber's done, this guy has a real good shot of being that captain for the Montreal Canadiens. But six weeks leads him right to the playoffs, I believe. So game one, he should be ready, like you said. But we'll see. The Montreal Canadiens have a bit of injuries. I think it's, I don't think it's concerning uh, right now in the standings, but it could be concerning when they step in for game one of the playoffs. And maybe they lose their stride in their game. I don't know. But they're going to have to play a good opponent in the first round. And then uh, your boy, man. Dude. Cole Caulfield, <laughs> baby. 
yesterday. What a day for this guy yesterday, baby. Wins the Hobie Baker for the best college player in the States. Then he plays his first pro game. He plays for the AHL Laval Rockets, so Montreal's farm team, who have been unreal this year, the team in general. And in his debut, he scores two goals and an assist in a 5-3 win over the Toronto Marlies. So what a day for Cole Caulfield yesterday, winning the Hobie Baker, then basically an hour later scoring his first pro goal. Then he adds a second, which ends up being the winner. Um, the hype levels right now are through the roof. Yeah, there hasn't been a prospect this good in Montreal for a very, very long time. Like I can't even remember. PK. Play- no, not even PK was this hyped. PK was like second round pick. He was too, a right? second round pick. So, but with PK, he was supposed to be good. He ended up being better than people thought. But this guy, like we're expecting, like that's what the expectation is, like from the fans kind of probably too high expectations i probably have too high expectations <laughs> yeah like i'm not expecting like you know four goals in his debut like matthews or something but he just the shot that he has like montreal no one could shoot like he can or just score like he can like in all levels that he's played in he scored wherever he's been no one on right. montreal can say that he past prospects or even guys on the roster so that's what the exciting thing is like he, he can just take one shot like he has like that Matthews thing where he just has, if you just give him some space, he'll shoot and he could score from anywhere. So that's what's exciting for me anyways. Yeah. And the height he is to do that stuff, the way he's doing it, dude, it's incredible. I mean, you can say all you want. Oh, he's too small. He's too small. We've seen guys in the league who have thrived and they're really too small. Johnny Goudreau being one of them, Marty St. Louis being another one. I mean, I'm not saying, obviously, Cole Caulfield is going to be Marty St. Louis, but I'm just saying that small guys kind of thrive in this league right now. And, you know, even if he gets decked, he gets right up, and he's going to shoot the puck in the net. That's, so that's what he's there to do for the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah. he's exciting to uh, kind of, like, just pounce on for a prospect, finally, in the organization to be that good and that dominant. And the way he's dominating is he's scoring. Like, he doesn't even have to dominate possession. He just has to score, and then he's, yeah. that's, he's, that's what he's going to do. So, I don't know what... Obviously, Debrinkat is a true comparable here, but, like, talking about Caulfield, winning the Hobie Baker and stuff, what do you think this guy's ceiling is for the Canadians? Or in like, the NHL, for that matter? Yeah, so, like, I'm not going to put too much expectation. Like, people think he could be a 50-goal guy. Like, I don't think so. Like, if he could be literally Debrinkat, who actually did score 40 a few years ago, if he can be a 35-40 to 40 guy, I'll be ecstatic because he did drop in the first round to 15th. Like, he kind of fell in Montreal's lap in 2019 because literally there was issues with people thought of his height. That's yeah. why Debrinkat was a second-round pick a few years back because of his height. He just dominated the OHL to bring at. He's, he's doing great this year after a, a bad season last year and a great season the year before. So these guys, as long as they can score, you, what can you say about their height? They get down. Like, it's not like they're, got, they're shooting all the time either. Like uh, Caulfield's goal, some of them are in the crease. Like he's tipping pucks. He's not just shooting from 35 feet out. Same with the brink at. Like they go to the net. They can bang away. They're not scared to go into the corner. They're not scared to go to the net. Mm-hmm. so like the height thing doesn't make a difference anymore in today's nhl like you're not going to get your head cut off anymore no, like no. the rules are different now so these these smaller players can can thrive yeah yeah exactly what you said this like he's not going to go in the corner and someone's going to demolish him he's going to concussion it could happen but i don't see it happening because obviously the league's changed but yeah 
Uh, for Cole Coffee for me, that ceiling is definitely 35 goals to 40 goals. If he can do that, that's unbelievable for the size he's at. And he's going to grow. He's going to gain some weight. So it's not an issue there for the Montreal Canadiens. But things look hopeful for the future. And right now, the injuries, not so hopeful right now. But they're still in a playoff spot. So there's still much to look forward to for the Montreal Canadiens. But pouncing to another Canadian team, and wow, I mean, this team is just filled with news in the past week, good or bad. Um, the Vancouver Canucks is the team we're talking about in Canada, and they just re-upped uh, Tanner Pearson, 3.25 per year for three more years. And um, yeah, the only thing I could say about this is, um, what do you have to say about that signing? So they basically signed him and let Toffoli walk last summer. Like We've already gone over... All the guys that they let walk and they basically replaced with no one really of significance. Or like they just downgraded in every position basically. And this is one of them. So they could have either re-signed to Foley and let Pearson walk this year because he was a UFA. But instead they gave Pearson who's mostly a third liner. Could play second line but is, is not very good there. Like he's more suited as a perfect third liner. For three years at over three million, like he, Pierce is not a bad player, but you don't need to lock in these third and fourth line guys, which Benning has done for years now, to these deals where you don't need to. Like you don't need Roussel at three million for three years. You don't need Beagle at three years for three million. That's killed their cap space, and we'll get to uh, another part of the Canucks shortly in one of our segments, but like. This is the issue with this team. Like, they have a bunch of third and fourth liners and then, like, three, like, first liners, basically. Like, in Pedersen, Besser, and Horvat, who kind of have to carry the load for this team. So, that's just my issue with it. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's just a bunch of third liners, basically, being locked up. I mean, three years at 3.25, you look at that on any player. Like, we're just, like, cancel Pearson. You look at that contract on any player, it's like... Oh, it's not that bad, but like it's the production out of the player you're signing, and like it's not that good. And you're signing all these guys to three, four year deals who are third liners. So, I mean, it's the same thing that happens every season for the Vancouver Canucks. Jim Benning might be one of the best drafting GMs. He might have the, one of the best drafting GM staff in like the NHL for that matter. But when he starts to negotiate a contract, things just like are, what are you doing, man? It's just like, turn away your phone on July 1st or whatever you have to do to re-up someone because it hasn't looked great the last couple of years and it's not glimpsing any better. So I don't know what Pedersen gets. I don't know what Hughes gets, but you said they have $17 million in cap space next year to sign those two. Yeah, I think that's what I heard about $17 million to sign those two. I mean, doable. I mean, if they'd bridge some of them, but Pedersen hasn't got the greatest year, so maybe that's an asset for the Vancouver Canucks, but I still think Pedersen's unbelievable, <laughs> and he's their best player even if he's injured. So, I mean, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what they do. They have to get those guys locked up, but mm-hmm. it's not helping when you have a bunch of guys just signed up to uh, contracts. So, um, another thing that happened with the Canucks today, they came out and said they think they're playing 56 games. I say hell no to that because that ain't happening. No way in hell that's happening. They look, I think they're at 38 games or 39. They would have to play like 17 or 18 games in like 25, 26 days, which is literally impossible. Like half the team will be hurt by the time the, the season's done because it's just the fatigue and like yeah. the body. Like it can't handle that many games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's no way in hell they're finishing. Like, I don't even know when they're coming back. Like, they're slated to come back on Monday. That's not no happening. Chance. No chance. The whole ch- team has COVID. The entire team has COVID. And, as, and yeah. some guys on the coaching staff. This team, like, realistically, should just literally get everyone healthy and then play till May 11th or whenever the last game. So they might right. play, like, 43 or 44 games, which mm-hmm. is... You're not making the playoffs anyway, so get that out of your head. Um, like... I know the only the issue with that is the NHL. Like, there's mostly issues with like the NHL and like TV deals and stuff. But I'm sorry, this can't happen. No, yeah, that cannot. A delay in the playoffs is already like basically next year probably be delayed again, and we don't want to see that happen again. So to avoid that is adding more games in May before you start your Stanley Cup playoffs because all the other teams in the other division are going to be done 56 games by that May mark. Let's hope if there's no COVID cases, right? So you can't really delay. Uh, one division and then wait for the other divisions to play playoff games right like you can't just do that no. and even when the canucks come back they're not going to look good at all like no, they're, no. dude they're going to be we've seen guys with fatigue and stuff in the nhl coming back from injuries for that matter and covid for that matter so we've seen what they've done right out of the gate and it's not looking good and i guess t- speaking about covid nylander's on the covid uh, list for another week that's not really like eye-catching news but i mean it's just like when they come back are they going to be the same player for the next couple games probably not but this vancouver canucks Canucks situation is very weird and obviously something we've never seen before but it's just got like i don't know i i can't see them playing 56 the only way i can see them playing 56 is if they delay the canadian division season but like that just you can't do that again right so um we actually have some breaking news here Oh, is there breaking news? I didn't see it. Yep. Brandon Montour has been traded to the Florida Panthers. There is no... Okay. We're still getting details wow. on the return. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just breaking news right now. So, it looks like we were talking about them clearing cap space. Well, they're putting it to use and getting a defenseman. So, we, I thought they were going to get David Savard, but they scooped up Montour. They haven't announced the return yet, but we could keep going with our segments and hopefully some more news will, will come out. So initial thoughts. Yeah, like, that's what people kind of wanted, right? The right wing or the right-handed uh, uh, defenseman for the Van- or Vancouver. I keep talking about the Vancouver. The Florida Panthers. And that's what they need. They lost Ekblad, like you said. David Savard would be nice, but Brandon Montour, I think, is more of a mold of Ekblad. He's more offensive than David Savard. So acquiring a guy like that is pretty awesome for your uh, decor. And like I said, I do not think they're done. I think there's a lot more depth pieces coming, or maybe they swing for the fences and get Hall from the Buffalo Sabres as well. But yeah, what are your thoughts? I think this is a good trade for Florida, depending on what they have, they have to give up. I mean, like you said, Montour is more of like an Ekblad. He's more offensive, way more than Savard. And he could skate as well. And he's decently young. Like Montour, I remember when Buffalo got him from Anaheim. I thought it was a great pickup. It just hasn't worked there. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's a good deal for Florida, depending on what they had to give up. But it sounds like the return is decent. I mean, I don't know what it is yet, but... Yeah, we'll keep going and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, actually, yeah, not yet. We'll keep going and then we'll check back on that. All right, we'll get right into the next segment, which is the Hard Hat Awards segment. This is a award to the player in the NHL the past week, week of play that has been really, really good. And wow, this duo, and yes, they're a duo, has been really good for the Boston Bruins. So I'll go first. And it's Brad Marchand of the Boston Bruins, that first line player. Wow. I mean, just maybe they don't need a guy to get depth scoring because they have these guys. No, I'm kidding. But 
four games played, five goals, five assists, 10 points in four games is pretty incredible itself. But then adding all these stats that I'm just going to name off, plus eight, you could say what you want about my plus minus, but that's pretty good. Six even strength points, two power play points, and two shorthanded goals, which is also two shorthanded points. He's basically dominated on every aspect of the game. Um, five on five, I guess four on four, three on three, five on four, and four on five. So, I mean, pretty dominant week for Brad Marchand. Also two game winning goals. He's been incredible for the Bruins all season. Um, he's had some cold stretches, but his cold stretches are basically one game and then he gets back right into it. But the Bruins, I think are going to get a depth player for that second line or third line, but seems to me they've been carrying the load with that first line all season. So another player you got on the first line. Yeah, I really wanted to put Marchand as well. He went off this week, especially the two shorthanded goals. He's like, I'm pretty sure he's like top 20 all time, like in NHL history for shorthanded goals. Yep. Like he could keep climbing that list. Like I didn't even know he had that many, but he's a menace on the penalty kill. And that goal he scored versus Washington was gross. Toe drive the defender, waited out the goalie on the backhand and roofed it shorthanded. So the, he's been unreal this season especially this week and then i got his centerman patrice bergeron who hasn't been as dominant but in four games had five goals including a hat trick against the flyers one assist two power play goals one shorthanded assist but the most impressive thing he was 68 percent on face-offs he won 70 out of 103 face-offs so (laughs) that that's incredible for obviously we know he was so good on face-offs but like his like we all say like Face-offs, they're kind of important, but not really. But if you win, if your sentiment's winning the draw, that means you have the puck yeah. on every dead puck situation, which is important, especially if you're a team that needs the puck to succeed and can play that style of game. So for Bergeron, like the, both these guys are in their 30s, Bergeron mid-30s. Like they just keep getting better every year. Like They just don't slow down, which is incredible. Yeah. Like, like Bergeron's turning, I think, 36 this July. <laughs> And Marsha is turning 33 at, during the playoffs. So, like, it's just amazing, these guys. Yeah, they've literally never fallen off, and we've all expected them to when they reach that 31 age, 32 age, and it just hasn't happened. So I'm not even expecting a downfall. I, like, at this rate, they're both making Team Canada. It's not even a question, even though it's, like, a year from now. I don't I don't care what they what the age is on Marchand or Bergeron. It's, they're making the Team Canada team, so... They've just, as a duo man for years, and on shorthanded special teams, they've been dominant for years. So um, the hard hat award is for Brad Mar- basically the Bruins. So uh, we'll move into the Golden Plunger. Uh, flush the toilet for these two players. And yes, it's two players, so we don't have a team. And uh, I think I'll go first. We talked about him during the episode, and it's uh, Nikita Gusev. So he's had zero points the last five games played. And he's had five points in 20 games played uh, this season. So not a great season from uh, Nikita Gusev and the Devils. But he's obviously bought out, as we said before. And the contender team has to look for this guy and hope for the best. I mean, at this point, he's depth on a, the contender team right now. And that's really tough to say because he's really skilled. He could pass and he's just had a really rough stretch of game. But I was, I was writing down the player you were putting down. And then I was like, you know what? We're talking about Gusev. I'll put him. But... This guy definitely deserves multiple golden plungers, and I'm surprised we said his name right now, but you can go ahead and say this guy. Yeah, he's been absolutely goddamn brutal this year it's in terms of scoring goals because he could not 
score, period. And that's Jonathan Duran on the Montreal Canadiens. He has two goals on the year in like 40 games almost. Uh, he does have like 20-ish assists or so. But man, the two goals. He has not scored since late February. <laughs> so that means he had one goal for like a month and a half. Now he has two goals in like three months. Um, the problem with this guy is that he gets chances, but he does not have a scorer's touch. Like, he just can't buy a goal right now. And he gets a lot of, like, he had a breakaway versus the Leafs, and he basically shot it right at Campbell. Like, it's just, nothing goes right for this guy. I don't want to hate on him too much because, like, overall, like, watching him play just every game that I've watched, he is engaged and he's, like, creating chances, but he's just not scoring at all. And he's not mm-hmm. producing offense but he's getting like chances he's making some nice plays like some games he looks unreal but he just can't finish or he can't get a a point or something so he's this week's plunger but he could have been multiple times this season yeah like i like jonathan drew he's so skilled he's i mean he's not the speediest guy in the world but he was and i don't know why he's not using that speed to his advantage at all because on Tampa Bay, man, this guy was so good. He was one of the most promising players in the league, and he got to Montreal, and I guess you could say, Juan, you can create storylines and stuff, but I guess the pressure got to him. I, I don't know. He's never really broken out for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I think two years ago he had a stretch of games where he was fantastic, but I think that's been the best highlight of Jonathan Drouin in Montreal, but I, I really like Drouin. Like, he's one of my favorite players now, but he's just so, like... Just you can get lost in the game, and you can just be like, "Oh, he's still playing for Montreal." I guess so. So, two goals this year is not great, but more of a playmaker style for Drouin. But they need him to get going, man. We've said this multiple times, I think, on this podcast the last two years since they've acquired him and stuff like that. But he just like gotta put it together on this team because he's supposed to be that guy, and he is not turning into that guy. So that's enough bashing on Jonathan Drouin because he gets it enough from people in our friends group. So. Uh, Golden Plunger, Nikita Gusev, and Jonathan Drue. We will move into What You Say. So, what you say? this is the funniest quote from the week from either a player, coach, or management position. And this is from a management position for sure. And do you want to kind of tee up uh, this uh, quote from good old uh, the GM of the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, it's our boy Jimmy Benning who we just roasted about how he's so good at drafting, but he's awful at negotiating contracts and signing free agents. So this was a press conference right after he announced the Pearson signing. And again, this is the guy who signed Demko five times five of two weeks ago that we said was a solid deal. He comes back, he signs a third line guy in Pearson for three years at over $3 million. So this is what Jim Bending, he was questioned about being able to basically sign Pedersen and Hughes this upcoming summer. And this is what Jimmy Bending had to say. Yeah, I, I don't know what this guy's saying. He must have a, a, the wrong calculator or something. <laughs> he I must know. have a good fortune teller. Yeah, he must have a good fortune teller, wrong calculator. Maybe he's using a graphing one because they <laughs> this team is going to have cap problems in the future and it's going to start this upcoming summer. Especially if Seattle, the expansion draft, does not take Braden Holpe off the team's roster, who is obviously now considered the backup. He has one year left at over $4.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the hope was for Seattle to take him. That's my guess, because that's why it was only a two-year deal, not just one. Mm-hmm. But with Holpe struggling this year, which was predictable, because he hasn't been good for a while now, Holpe, unfortunately, even though he's not even that old. Um, 
I don't know if Seattle will take them. So if they don't take Holpe, that's four and a half million in backup. That's not a good backup anymore. Um, so Jimmy Benning, don't know what you're saying there. And if they don't take Holpe, they're not. They're sure as hell not taking Tyler Myers. <laughs> so they're gonna probably take a scrap guy, I guess, because <laughs> that's not gonna happen. They're not gonna take money away from the Canucks, but. Jimmy Benning, man, must have something in his management staff where he predicts the future and it's telling him, yeah, you're going to have no caps. I doubt that. But Jim Benning's got work to do this summer, and he should not even pick up the phone for a free agent because you got to worry about these RFAs you have coming up. So Jimmy Benning has always something good to say, whether it's his hair-dying moments or just his lack of, I don't know, skill on the phone. Uh, Jim Benning and his what you say. So thanks, Jason Drulo, as well. Uh, we'll get to the Battle of the Buds. And this week I just, yeah, again, <laughs> just one, just rode the table, run the table. And uh, Joe unfortunately went one and two. I went three and oh again. Uh, so this might be gonzo for me. Three, 31 and eight on the season for me. 23 and 16 for Joe on the season. Uh, I don't know what these games, man. I get them right all the time. I guess they're like really slam dunk games, but like, I don't know. Sabres won. I betted on them, and they won. Yes, they did. So uh, <laughs> they actually won pretty convincingly, I'm pretty sure, versus the Devils. I know they lost yesterday, I think, the Sabres or two yes. nights ago. But, yeah, I mean, Buffalo in general, man, say what you want about them. They've been playing a lot better as of late since they got off that massive losing streak. And plus, they've lost a lot of guys are getting traded. Obviously, we talked about Stahl. Montour just got traded. Hall's projected to get traded. Um so we'll see what happens there. I'm going to check again to see if we have any more info on the yeah. Montour deal. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it away then. Um, for next week, when I pick a games, I have the Hurricanes who are host to the Red Wings. I have that tonight, actually, sorry. Uh, the Hurricanes over the Red Wings in that one. I have the Lightning going into Smashville, and, well, I think they're going to take care of business there and smash Smashville on April 13th. I have the Lightning there. And then I have the Jets who are going into the Canadian Tire Center, which is located in the worst area possible for an NHL arena. I have that game on April 14th. I have the Jets winning in that one. Do we have any news for Brandon Montour? I don't see anything. Yeah, I don't see anything as of yet either. So I'll get into my picks. So I went, like Thomas said, one and two this week. So that just basically is the nail in the coffin for me. He's, I doubled up the losses compared to Thomas, who's still at single-digit losses. I'm at 16 now. So I went one and two, and then my picks for this week, I had to pick all slam dunks, hopefully. Uh, I have the Avalanche at the Ducks tomorrow, April 11th. I have the Avalanche winning that one, and then I have the Red Wings at the Hurricanes, so not the one that's tonight, the one on April 12th, and I have the Hurricanes winning at home again. And then Sabres visiting the Boston Bruins, who are playing pretty well right now. On April 13th, I have the Bruins winning at home. Yep. You need a miracle there. You need a 3-0 and week there. Um... Do we have a spicy meatball is in the oven, it's in the freezer, or is it actually ready to go? Yeah, we have one that's ready to go this week. So obviously the deadline is right around the corner. We're not going to have an episode out before then. We'll have one after recapping all the action. Hopefully it's better than we were <laughs> thinking it's going to be. It looks like it's heating up the last couple of days as we've covered a couple of trades. We still don't have more info on the Montour one. I'm hoping we can get enough, an update before we finish recording. But my spicy meatball for this week, it's regards to Taylor Hall. And I have a sneaky team that might pick him up that you're going to just say yes or no to. So it's not like a huge spicy meatball, but it's one that could could get him, which could be a sneaky pickup. Mm -hmm. And that is Taylor Hall going to the Minnesota Wild. 
Ooh, I like that. I like that hot take. Um, you know what? Like, obviously, the Minnesota Wild are in a position to succeed this year, and getting a guy like Hall is awesome. Um, definitely a rental, I guess, because they have some work to do as well. Like, for the expansion, they got four defensemen that they need to protect, I guess, because they really have good defensemen there. I'm going to say no, but it is a good spicy meatball because they could definitely be an underdog for him. Because uh, I have a guy like Kirill Kaprasov who's just, oh my god, unbelievable is to say the least about that guy. But with Taylor Hall, I'm going to say no because I think more teams in the East, for that matter, have more to pony up for a guy like Taylor Hall. And obviously the Minnesota Wild are in a position where they kind of like it's retooled in a way, but they're making the playoffs. So I'm not sure it's the way to go because I think they're going to be versing Colorado or Vegas in round one. So that's an, a first round exit again for the Wild. So I'll say no, I don't think they're going to go that much into uh, getting a guy like Hall, but definitely maybe some depth players to help out, but that's pretty much it, but not Hall. But it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, do you want to, do you, do you know the Montour trade? I have it here. Uh, no, there's no news yet, which is kind of weird. So no, I, I have it. I have it. Oh, you got it? Yeah, it's a th- just a third for Brandon Montour. That's it. Just a third, really. <laughs> yeah. Not, nothing, it, nothing, nothing much. Is he a UFA? You know what? Cap friendly to the rescue. <laughs> I think he is. He must. I think he might be, like, actually. There's no way they just got a third for, like, a guy with an extra year on his Yeah, deal. yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, he's a free agent, yeah. Yeah, he's a free agent. So, the Florida Panthers get Brandon Montour in exchange for a third-round pick. They haven't said what draft it's in yet. Um, Kevin Weeks actually just reported that, so... They haven't said what draft that is in, but it doesn't matter. A third-round pick for a right-shot defenseman, which they desperately need right now, is going to help. Um, you can say all you want about his charts, about his offense, about his defense. He was playing on the Buffalo Sabres, for God's sake. They're never going to know who's a true player, but in a succeeding position on the Florida Panthers and the team they have around him, I think he'll fit in well. He's obviously going to be rusty to start, but I think Brandon Montour is a good fit for the Florida Panthers. Uh, so for a third round pick, your thoughts again? I think it's a solid deal if it's just a third. It's probably just going to be a rental, but they could resign him in the off season too because I think Florida's got some cap space and like they might want to get rid of Anton Strawman's contract. I think he has one year left at five and a half million, so they might either uh, term like not terminate buy him out. They might even give him to Seattle for a pick potentially. But if I'm Florida, and if he if Montour like performs solid for you, like I would want to keep him around as a top four slash five defenseman. So I think it's a solid deal. Yep, and like we said about that um, that Connolly Borgstrom Walmart thing, I said the Florida Panthers aren't done, and turns out minutes later they're clearly not done. And I obviously after this trade, I don't even think they're done as well. So Panthers are going to be in for a lots of depth moves uh, when you get close to the deadline, but. How significant, we don't know. Uh, so Brandon Montour for a third to the Florida Panthers. Um, that's it on end to end, I think. Uh, do you have any last thoughts, last words you want to mention before we wrap up the episode and pre and uh, recap that trade deadline next week? Yeah, so I got my power rankings obviously coming out every week. This week was a little bit late. It was busy with work. But next week should be normal, like Tuesday or so. But yeah, I'm hoping for a, a good trade deadline. It, it looks like it's really ramping up. Obviously, there was just another trade uh, with Montour that just happened. Um, I'm hoping the actual day is good, but there it is starting to ramp up today, tomorrow, Monday. 
So we had I had my spicy meatball a few weeks back saying it was going to be one of the worst ever. I'm not going to say it's going to be the best ever, but it could be hopefully better than what we're, we were expecting a few weeks back because this new quarantine, especially for Canada, the seven weeks from 14 could play a big factor, especially with teams buying like the Leafs, the Jets, potentially the Oilers, and even Montreal could potentially add another piece with Gallagher on long-term mm-hmm. injury reserve. So who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully... Um, it's interesting though. That's all I hope for. Yeah, the Canadian teams have definitely been a bit quiet in terms of the impact of trades they made, but Monday, I hope they wait till Monday to do them because it'll be boring otherwise. But for me, articles coming out, I just, I believe I sent in the Jonathan Bernier trade destinations article to our Slack and yeah, I think you get traded Monday. So hopefully that happens. Lots of more articles to come. Me recapping the trade deadline. And stay tuned on the Breakdown Sports Twitter account as the trades fall in. I will be live tweeting, I think. Jordan assigned me to do that, so I'll be doing that with uh, significant trades, so like breaking and then I say the trade and stuff like that. But other than that, hopefully it's a good trade deadline. Hopefully we have something to recap in next week's episode, and I think we will. So uh, that's been it for this one, episode 13 of season 3 for end-to-end, and we will be back next Saturday. Join us. Woo!